What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. We're going to recap week eight, big week of college football. Obviously, the big Ohio State-Penn State showdown. Obviously, Michigan blowing out Michigan State. We're going to get to all of it and more. Make sure to like, follow, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast. Apple, Google, Spotify. Uh, Make sure you leave a review. Got a lot of uh, fun reviews and comments that I'll get to uh, in the week nine picks uh on thursday but just really really excited and thankful uh for all all the comments and make sure to leave uh send me emails big 10 football talk at gmail.com uh we're gonna do like we always do which is power rankings and through the power rankings we're gonna do the recap i'm gonna start at the top and go go on down because i want to start with the big game that was Ohio State, Penn State. Number one is I have Ohio State on the virtue that they have the best resume right now. Not just in the Big Ten, but in college football. They beat Penn State at home. They were up by 14 with 30 seconds left to go in the game. And if you look at the statistics of the football game, it wasn't Honestly, it wasn't as close as the scoreboard uh, showed. Now, before Penn State fans get all up in their feels, I'm just I'm going to talk about Penn State a little later in the power rankings. But listen, this game should have been a blowout. the The reason why it wasn't a blowout in this football game was because, quite honestly, because of a couple deficiencies that Ohio State has. It, but it's situational football. And so, I, you know, I've seen a lot of people say, well, Marvin Harrison was the reason that this game, you know, is the only reason why. And I'm like, uh, maybe. If I could just give you a little bit more insight here. Ohio State, until Penn State's final drive, had outgained Penn State almost double. Double. And granted, a lot of those yards were Marvin Harrison, but also a lot of those yards were Cade Stover. Um, I thought Kyle McCord played a better game than Drew Aller. But then you also look at the drives. You know, they had a field goal in the first drive. And, you know, they're lucky that Kyle McCord missed a couple easy throws that could have been that that could have been a touchdown on that drive. Penn State marches back a couple drives later, later gets a field goal. Ohio State gets the touchdown, and a lot of people were salty about that touchdown because the defensive touchdown was taken off the board for Penn State. If I can just be honest, it was a good call. There was holding on Marvin Harrison. It was a first. It was. It should have been automatic. Automatic first down. And it was. They didn't have to hold. 
Like it, pressure was breaking down. They didn't have to hold. That's a Penn State penalty. Then I saw people getting upset about the first and goal roughing the roughing the passer penalty. Listen, I don't really care. It gave them two yards, and they repeated first down, and then they got a touchdown with Mayan Williams. So ten nothing at that point, or ten three at that point. Penn State gets a field goal, ten to six. Then you go to the second half. Ohio State gets to the one-yard line. They should be able to score there. Like, they shot themselves in the foot there. So that's another touchdown off the board. They missed a field goal. Like, Ohio State had the possibility of getting 30 to 35 points in this game. They came away with 20. Now, that's not to say, like, you know, coulda, woulda, shoulda, but... Ohio State has a lot of deficiencies that they still have to work out if they want to get to where they want to go. But to all the people saying that these were two evenly matched teams, it was not the case. And I say that as someone who thought Penn State was the better team going into this game. Ohio State played this game without their best corner. They played it without their best running back. They played it without their second best wide receiver. And they still probably should have won by 14 to 17. They won by eight. This is a good football team. And I, I, I don't know in the pecking order. I, you know, I have my thoughts of right now of who my top 10 is. But, I, you know, if you lined them up, I think on Florida State's good days, they can certainly match up with Ohio State. I think obviously Michigan can match up with Ohio State. I think if Georgia ever plays up to their potential, Alabama... Like, I think there's teams that can beat Ohio State. But I think the, the, the thing that people should be scared about with Ohio State is if they can meet their potential, they can reach their potential, they get the short yardage game figured out. If the offensive line can get a little bit better push in the run game, those two things and those two things alone, with this defense... And Marvin Harrison Jr. and all the home run hitters they have around them, Emeka, Travion, it's a, it's an, an, again another dangerous team. I want to get to one other thing. Uh, the, uh, uh, Twitter follower Terp Gutch, uh, who has followed the podcast, he, he's mentioned that he doesn't think Kyle McCord can win a national championship for Ohio State. I appreciate the feedback. I disagree. He's not C.J. Stroud. He's not Justin Fields. He's got enough mobility, but he's, you know, he he is a a Jake Coker of Alabama type quarterback. If Ohio State gets the right pieces and they gel, he's good enough to get them a national championship, particularly because the defense is playing out of their minds right now. And they get Denzel Burke back most likely next week. So I think things look good, but, but they are still, they still have more holes and they've got to fix, they've got to at least become adequate, if not competent in some of those holes, short yardage, goal line, run game, all those are problems. They got to get injured guys back. But I think if you're an Ohio State fan, I know you're probably a little upset about some of McCord's inconsistencies. He's still young. And he's just not CJ. And quite honestly, nobody's CJ Stroud. Like CJ's tearing it up right now in the NFL as a rookie. 
But I think Kyle is good enough that the main issue is you've got you've to gotta scheme and play call and work on the deficiencies so that you're at least adequate, if not competent, in those things. Let me go to my number two team, which is Michigan. Um, the only reason why Michigan is number two right now, quite honestly, is because they haven't played anybody. If Michigan and Ohio State played today, I'd pick Michigan over Ohio State. But I do care about resume. And Michigan has played nobody. Now, they've dominated everybody, but their best win is against, is against Rutgers, who I'm going to get to Rutgers. I don't mean to say that they're nobody, but they're, nobody in the top 25. So, like, Rutgers is the best team they've played, and they were in a tussle into the third quarter with Rutgers. But I still think Michigan's the most complete team in college football. So they dominated Michigan State. It was never close. My, my one concern, and I, I'm, I'm starting to grow a little more concerned that may, maybe this isn't as complete as I thought, the run game's a little inconsistent still. Like, J.J. McCarthy has saved their bacon quite a bit on third down. You know, third and long on several occasions. And J.J. is good enough against mediocre defenses to escape, make plays. Can he do that against a, a Penn State defense or an Ohio State defense? I think he's playing lights out. I think J.J. McCarthy is one of the top Heisman candidates. I still, I'm a little nervous about their run game right now. I got Penn State three. Um, that that top tier is not going to change in terms of who's in the top three. They are clearly the three best teams in the Big Ten. All three of them are top ten teams in my opinion. I thought their defense played really well. I thought their defense played a good game. I, I don't know if they were as good as I thought they'd be. Um, they certainly got pressure on McCord. Losing Chop Robinson late in the first half does does not help. The offense was abysmal. And part of that was the defense. I mean, JT Tuimolo out. I mean, he was moving Olufashanu uh, Olu around. They, they were getting pressure everywhere. I, I thought the defensive backs really held the receivers. But those receivers are, they're not impactful. The tight ends were almost a non-factor. They couldn't get the running game, the running game really going. You know, the, Nick Singleton had two carries when he uh, in the early going for thirty six yards, and you think, uh oh, like they're going to expose Ohio State's weakness here, right? Like they're going to bl- just pound away. They ended with twenty six carries for forty nine yards, and thirty six of those came on two carries. Like that's that's just not good enough. And Keandre Lambert Smith, he's a he's a fine receiver, but like he's not he's I don't know if he's a top ten receiver in the conference. Like he's he's just not dynamic enough, and you didn't have anyone to really stretch the field. Um, and I think you just saw that all game that they they could really sit on route that Ohio State's defensive backs could really sit on routes. It was a rough day for Penn State. And Drew Aller, I thought he he was a little timid. I thought the play calling was just not good. I Mike Yurcich is is overrated as an offensive coordinator. I just don't think he he has it. 
I thought Man- again, I thought Manny Diaz played well, but not well enough to really force the big turnover. The one big turnover that they forced, they had the big penalty on the holding call. But ultimately, you know, Penn State was not good enough. And yeah, I had a chance to watch uh, halfway through the third quarter and the fourth quarter. I got to re-watch the game. I mean, you just look, was one, one for 16 on third down? You know, and a lot of their, I think going into that last drive, it, again, if you look at the statistics, before that last drive, they had, I believe, well, they had 240 yards total. And so that last drive, let me just do the math here. Their last drive was a 73-yard drive for and 12 plays. So you subtract that from 240 yards, it's 167 yards in the game. 167 yards. And that would have been on 56 plays. Like, that's not even three yards a play. Like, that's that's bad offense. Defense played well. You got to give them, you know, I, I, I'm knocking Ohio State for not getting the goal line stand. You, but you can't take that, you can't. Penn State did a good job of stopping them on, on the goal line. They did a good job of stopping them on third down. But you know what? Almost everybody's been able to do that with Ohio State. Notre Dame did it. Purdue did it by forcing a fumble at the goal line. Like, this is the third time Ohio State has struggled and been stopped on the goal line and not gotten a touchdown. So, like, Penn State did what other teams have done, but the the defense played well. But this offense, like, Drew Aller needs – he needs to show why he's a five-star quarterback, and he did not today. He did not – he was not nearly as good as I thought he'd be uh, in the horseshoe. That being said, they have no danger of being out of the top three unless if something disastrous happens. And they have a golden opportunity, November 11th, to change everybody's opinion because Michigan comes to their house. And I, I think the way that the run game right now for Michigan has struggled and the way that Penn State's defense is playing, like I think they might be able to disrupt some things with Michigan. So that should be a dandy uh, in November. I'd pick Michigan at this point, but I think Penn State, their defense can win them hard games, but their offense has got to do better. Um, number four, I have Rutgers. Can we, can we celebrate Rutgers? They hit the layup. Like, they hit the layup. And, they, I mean, they, they crushed it. 31-14 over Indiana. And... I just feel so proud for the Scarlet Knights. They have they they deserve this. Greg Schiano deserves it. And honestly, the way other teams look, I would not be surprised if they get to seven or eight. I think they can beat Iowa. I've said that several times. I think they can beat uh, Maryland. This team with Gavin Wimsat running the ball. I mean, he was a stud running the ball on Saturday. Three touchdowns, I think close to 150 yards rushing. I mean, just crushed them. 
And that's the thing that has been impressive, I think, all season is the teams that they could beat, they have done it, right? They came back and beat Michigan State. They dominated Virginia Tech. You know, they dominated uh, Temple, I believe. Like, they've just, they've done their job. Good for them. So happy for them. And right now, they deserve to be my number four team. Number five, and I, I want I want to drop them further, but I just can't. And it's frustrating, but it's Iowa. I almost got the score right. I just got the wrong teams. I I picked 13 to 10 Iowa over Minnesota. It was 12 to 10 Minnesota over Iowa. Listen, I said it on the Picks podcast. When your offense is this bad, even though you're the better team, your margin for error goes away. Minnesota did not play well. Like, Kaliak Manis completed 40% of his passes. They ran 45 times for 113 yards. Less than three yards a carry. Iowa got 127 yards on a good but not great defense. Deacon Hill was 10 of 28 for 116 yards and an interception. They ran the ball 28 times for 11 yards. That's less than half a yard of carry. Why is Brian Ferentz still the offensive coordinator? I criticize Brian or uh, Mike Yersich. I think Iowa would welcome Mike Yersich with open arms at this point. It's abysmal. It's ridiculous. And I get it. You lost your quarterback. You lost your top two tight ends. I understand that. This is border. This is borderline offensive. No pun intended. This is, and here's the insane thing about this. They had 126 yards. 70 of them came on the first, the first drive of the game. Like what, what is this ridiculousness? I, it's abysmal. And before Iowa fans say, well, we could have had that touchdown that was negated. I don't care. You had... 56 yards after your first drive. At some point, you need to look in the mirror. This should have been a win for Iowa at home against a Minnesota team that's struggling, which I'll talk about Minnesota in a minute. But this is, it's not winning football. And I, it's, I don't understand it. I, other than Kirk Ferentz doesn't want to fire his son. You know, I don't want to be the guy that says, well, this guy just needs to be fired. But at some point, you just need to say, this guy doesn't have it. He is hurting our football program. He has got to go. Hundred, like, 50, it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. They're number five. I have Maryland at six. They were on a bye. Wisconsin at seven, they had a really good a really good comeback at a tough environment against Illinois because of the wind, because just the way that that stadium is. Um, they did luck out a bit. Jerzhan Newton got tossed from the game. 
because of a targeting call. It was 21 to 10 when he got tossed. They came back and won the game uh, after he was tossed. That being said, I will give Fickle and Phil Longo and Braden Locke a lot of credit. It looks like they're starting to heat up a little bit. Braden Locke had some good chemistry with Will Pauling, with uh, uh, DK. Braylon Allen still looks like Braylon Allen. I think the defense really stepped up in the second half of that game. So I, I think there are some good things to take for Wisconsin. But there's a and, – and they deserve the win. So that when I'm, I'm about to say I'm not trying to trivialize it and say they shouldn't have won, but there is a, a little bit of an asterisk. They came back and won without Illinois' best player on the field. So you have to ask the question, how are they going to do as competition stiffens? How's Braden Locke going to do? He has a really tough test next week against Ohio State. It is at home, which that does frighten me a little bit if, if you're an Ohio State fan, which I am. Camp Randall is always a tough place to play. But I, I like the direction that Wisconsin is going. I think they're starting to figure things out. And I, I'm not there yet, but come Thursday, I might be putting Ohio State on upset watch because of the just the turnaround from Penn State, but also the fact that Braden Locke kind of looks like he's starting to get things together. So I, I'm, I'm curious to see how Fickle and that the Badgers continue to, to grow. At number eight, I have Minnesota. Good for them to take advantage of Iowa's weaknesses to hang around and win a football game. It was ugly. It was messy. But again, big-time big Tyler Newbin had a fumble recovery. He, he was phenomenal. And this defense played really well, albeit against a bad offense. But they won a game that I think nobody expected them to win. And, you know, they're back on track to possibly get a bowl game, right? Before this, you know, when they lost to Northwestern, I'm like, their bowl chances are slim and none at this point. Now they're back on the table. You've got Michigan State and Illinois at home. And then you go to Purdue, you go to Ohio State, and you get Wisconsin at home. I, I think Ohio State's off the table, most likely. But those other four games, they're not out of it, right? They're not out of it to get some wins here uh, in, the, in the back half of the season. So they need two to get to a bowl. And I think they can probably get there now. Uh, nine, I have Nebraska. Nebraska... Again, ugly win against Northwestern. But you know what? They weren't getting ugly wins with uh, Scott Frost. And so I know, again, people are upset about Satterfield, about him as an offensive coordinator. And I don't blame you. I don't blame you at all. But also, like, remember where you came from. You know, Nebraska's 4-3. and three. Nebraska still they still can get to a bowl game. And I think that would be a big accomplishment, right? You know, they they have Purdue this week at home. They go to Michigan State. 
they get Maryland at home, and then they, they end with Wisconsin and Iowa. And while I like Wisconsin, and you know I just said I think Wisconsin's getting better, like none of those games are, you know, none of those games are definitive losses for the Cornhuskers. Even though they struggled against Northwestern. Like Northwestern beat Minnesota, right? Like Northwestern tangled with Penn State for a half. Like I, for people upset, just remember Nebraska did what Minnesota didn't. They beat Northwestern. So I, you know, let's, let's celebrate what is good. They won, they won a game that in the past they would have lost. Good for Matt Rule. They, they're making progress, but it was ugly. So they got a lot of things to fix, but I've got them at nine. I have Purdue at 10. They were, I believe on a buy 11, Illinois. They, they had a golden opportunity and I, I felt bad for Jerzon Newton because as soon as he hit the quarterback, he knew he had targeted, like you could just see it in his face. And the, the way he reacted. And he knew he was going to be gone. Um, but they blew, they blew a golden opportunity. And that's, you know, how much of that is on Bielema? How much is that on just bad luck? I don't know. But that was a game they sorely needed to win. And it would have built a lot of momentum, especially off the Maryland win. I think it would have gotten a lot of momentum for them moving forward in the back half of their schedule. Instead, they're they're really going to struggle to make a bowl game. And that's really rough for them. And so I feel bad for Newton. I felt bad for uh, his teammates. They played well enough to win for three and a half quarters. And then... Wisconsin took over without Newton on the field and it was a it was a different story. I've got Michigan State 12. Uh Michigan State is a dumpster fire, man. It's bad. It's really really bad. Um Yeah. I'll just I'll just stop there. Uh Northwestern. You know, I I said on the last podcast that we need to recognize when things are good, and they they did lose. They're three and four, but I, I do want to acknowledge Northwestern put up a fight. They they are they tripled their win total from what I expected, right? They're three and four. You know, they battled, they fought. I, I believe it was ten to nine at one point in this game. So I mean, they they had a shot to win here and yeah it was sorry it was 17 to 6 and then it was a one score game for a good chunk of the fourth quarter but I mean their defense played well they they made plays so I hats off to David Braun in a really hard situation I think they're doing a good job as best as they can in that situation last but not least Indiana um they are the worst team in the Big Ten, and there's not much more to say. You know, you they got dunked on by Rutgers, which I think Rutgers is a is a decent team this year, but they've got they've gotten dunked on by everybody, and it's just an ugly, ugly time to be a Hoosier fan. And I'm sorry. Um, 
Tom Allen, he had some good years in Indiana, but I think it's probably time to reset. So um, let me take a quick break, and then I'm going to do top 10 and then a few more topics here. Welcome back to the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. I'm going to do my national top 10, but I'm going to start it with a frustration. The AP and coaches polls came out. And Georgia, who is on a bye, is still the number one team in the country. And I am frustrated by it. I don't understand what Georgia has done to be the number one team in the country. Now, I get it. They're back-to-back national champions. Good for them. They don't have the same quarterback. They've lost a lot of their starters from the past two years. It's a new team. They've looked lackluster. I don't care. I don't care about Georgia right now. Like they blew out one team that was in the top 25 for a hot second. Why? Because they were in the SEC. Good job, Kentucky. You looked kind of good for a little bit, and then you faded back into obscurity. I don't care about Georgia. They shouldn't be number one. They haven't played anybody, and they haven't looked good. They've looked good for one game. And they've looked bad against bad teams. Why are they number one? It is absurd. In my top ten, I have five teams ahead of them. And I have good reason to have all of them ahead of them. So my number one team is Ohio State. Because they beat a really good Notre Dame team on the road. Who, By the way murdered USC, although that's looking less and less attractive. But then also Ohio State just beat Penn State and quite honestly, I think looked a little bit better in doing it. They're my number one team. I have Michigan number two. Why? Because they've just looked the part. I think they're the two best teams in college football right now. Number three is Florida State. They got lucky that Duke's quarterback had to go out in the fourth quarter. But they have probably the second most impressive resume of anybody in college football. They beat LSU in a neutral site. They beat Duke, and Duke's pretty good. Another win that doesn't matter as much anymore is Clemson, because Clemson is falling apart. So those are my top three. Number four, Washington. Now, I know they struggled against Arizona State, but they've also been dynamic. And one bad game does not make you or does not mean you're weak. If it's repetitive, a.k.a. Georgia, then I start to ding you. But Washington has had, a, has had several dominant performances and they beat a really good Oregon team. Hence, Washington is better than Georgia. Number five, Oklahoma. They struggled with UCF. But you know what? They have a team there. They beat a team that's actually good in Texas, who's in my top 10, which Georgia hasn't done. And Oklahoma has dominated dominated mostly everybody on their schedule. They struggled a little bit with UCF. But you know what? Everybody has a, a struggle against a weaker opponent sometimes. That was not a good way to say that. 
Every most often good teams struggle with a subpar opponent. That's a better way to say it. Number six is Georgia. Because they're undefeated and they have looked dominant once. That's why they're six. I question whether the AP media people actually watch the stupid games. My goodness. Just stop. I get it. Georgia is the most talented team in the country. I get it. You know what? No one's thinking about that for Ohio State, who has probably the second or third most talented roster, but they're like, well, their offense isn't very good. Have you seen Georgia? By the way, they're without Brock Bowers right now. About the only great piece on their offense, like the Marvin Harrison of their offense. I'm sorry. If he's gone, you really think they're the number one team in the country? Really? My goodness. <sighs> they're six. Texas is seven. Oregon is eight. Alabama is nine. Penn State 10. I think I don't think Penn State should be dinged that much, but I they don't have a win like some of these other teams do. Like Alabama beat Ole Miss. Uh, Oregon's dominated everybody. They, they beat Colorado, but Colorado's not that great. I, I could see switching Oregon and Alabama, but I, I, I have Oregon ab- above them right now because of how close they played Washington at Washington. So I, I think Oregon is the better team and they have the better, they have the better loss. Um, I think it's, I think it's splitting hairs between Oregon and Alabama and I think Penn State, I think Penn State's still a top 10 team. I think their defense is great. And I think if their offense plays up to potential, I think they could, I think they can give Michigan all they want uh, on November 11th. So, but this whole Georgia being ranked one is stupid. And it's not because I think Ohio State should be one. It's, it's not, this is not my scarlet and gray glasses coloring things. The legit five teams that I would put Georgia that I put above Georgia in a heartbeat. Like I think you can make a case for any of the top five teams I just said as to be the number one team. I don't see a good case for Georgia. They haven't looked the best, and they haven't beaten anybody. Like I, I don't know where these voters. I, I, and I get the old model. Old model. Well, we're not going to move a team unless. You know, they do something. Listen, you move teams all the time that you don't buy buy into. How many times have they moved Ohio State or Michigan or Penn State down because, well, they didn't look that good? Like, this is stupid. Georgia should not be won. I'm sorry. And if Georgia's won, according to the College Football Playoff Committee in a couple weeks, I'm going to tear my hair out. Not that I need that because I'm already losing my hair. But seriously, it's it's absurd. They haven't looked the best and they haven't played the best. Like, move on. Last but not least, I, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to talk a ton about it. But I do want to bring it up because it is big news in the Big Ten Conference. So Wednesday and Thursday, there was news of an investigation brewing at Michigan. 
And it's centered around the illegality over sign stealing. And there's a few things to note about that. One, sign stealing in in and of itself is not barred or banned in the bylaws of the NCAA. And you might think, but why? And the reason is it's part of scouting. You know, if you're on the sideline and you can figure out their signs, like, cool, you figured them out. Like, that's kind of what you do as a defensive coordinator and as an offensive coordinator. You're diagnosing plays. This is just one step further. Like, you're figuring out their signs. So I think when the, the report first came out, I'm like, okay, but didn't Clemson do this and it was fine? They just, teams just kind of figured out how to combat that. But as the story came more to light, it seemed like Michigan was actually sending, it sounds like, what they're being accused of. Let me just be very clear. What they're being accused of is going to practices and games and videotaping or using some sort of electronic equipment to videotape these signs for the sake of future games against these opponents, which is against the bylaws. And the reason why it's against the bylaws is because several, I think it's three decades ago in the 90s, schools were doing this, but the smaller schools couldn't keep up. So they couldn't keep up financially. So it was an unfair advantage to the smaller schools, and so they barred it. That's kind of why the rule happened. It's why it exists. So there's a lot here that I'm not going to get into. I don't want to speculate. But there's a few things that make me think this might be a bigger deal than just the NCAA going after Harbaugh or just, oh, this is this is a big nothing burger. So first off, I do I think the NCAA is piling on, on Jim Harbaugh? I don't know. I do know that when you, when you lie about something or you withhold information or you're even perceived to be withholding information, it, it can be very, very – you do paint a target on your back. And I think everybody, including Wolverine fans, know how I feel about, about the NCAA. They are not a good – like I just don't think they're good at enforcing their rules – I think their punishments are too harsh on things that shouldn't be, and I think their punishments are too light on things where the punishment should be harder. Like it's, it, There's no doubt about it. That's been the history of the NCAA. And when they need to make decisions, they have abdicated, abdicated responsibility time and time again. NIL is the latest evidence of that. The playoff, evidence. COVID, evidence. The NCAA, when they need to make decisions – they just completely waffle and do nothing. And so they frustrate me and I have no love loss for the NCAA and part of me kind of hopes this just blows up in their face. I re- like if I'm if I'm being completely honest. But the smoke that's coming from this feels like it's more than just the NCAA having an axe to grind.
Like the Big Ten Conference came out with a statement, like warning other like future opponents. Michigan State supposedly almost canceled their game with Michigan this past week. Now that's that's unset that's unsubstantiated, but it was reported by Sports Illustrated. Like this wasn't a a message board person. I think it, I think that was one rumor on a message board, but. Sports Illustrated also said something about that, which again, Sports Illustrated can be wrong. So I, all I'm saying is there's there's more smoke to this, and that 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 culminates in the reality that the NCAA fired someone who they they have implicated in this case named Connor Stallions, who was an analyst for Michigan. He has been suspended. He was suspended by the NCAA, not by Michigan, not by anybody else, but by the NCAA. So I I don't know what this investigation entails. I am not going to say more than I have other than if, if you're a Michigan fan and you're thinking, oh, they're just trying to tar and feather my coach and this is stupid. I, I just want to warn you when there is smoke – there is probably some fire. I think for everybody, all the other fans, if you're like, oh, yeah, see, Michigan cheated, slow down. Just slow down. We don't know anything yet. You can make a story out of any fact, right? You can, you know, Ohio State fans, and I've seen it, and I've, I've even thought this. Oh, well, it makes total sense as to why Ohio State lost the last two Ohio State-Michigan games. Yada, yada, yada. If I pull myself back off the ledge, I'm like, oh, yeah, Ohio State has had two of the worst defenses I've seen in the past 10 years as an Ohio State fan. Of course they lost. They couldn't stop a flea. They couldn't stop, like, they, they couldn't stop anything. Right? Like, they're... You can make a story out of any fact. Don't do that. Don't go down that path right now. Like, let's just see what happens. Let's just see what what the findings are and realize whatever findings that they find, if if there is disciplinary action, it's going to come to play in six years and they're going to vacate wins, which we all know that doesn't work, right? USC didn't actually win a national championship in 2004, except they did. Reggie Bush didn't really win the Heisman, except we all saw it. Vacating wins is stupid. Vacating trophies is stupid, by the way. So, like, but I I just would just encourage you, if you're a fan for Michigan or if you're a fan against Michigan, like, just slow down. Wait for the facts to come out. And wait for the the rulings to come out. Like, what whatever happens months from now, it's not going to determine the performance on the field the next five weeks. So I, that's just my 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 plea to fans. Um, that'll do it for the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. We're going to do Week Nine picks, uh, and that'll be ready Thursday morning. Again, follow us wherever you get your podcast. Sorry, this went a little long. Um, I did a little bit more verbal processing than I like to do, but hopefully you guys appreciate it. Appreciate the thoughts. Again, leave feedback. Uh, 
leave a review. Really appreciate some of the reviews that came in. We'll, we'll engage with those on Thursday. Appreciate you guys. Take care. God bless. 